Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, hello again. We're back, and we are uh, now ready to start chapter 19 in the book of Matthew. This is Steve Wilson. We are continuing our journey through the book of Matthew, and we're moving right along pretty well. So as I said, we're down to uh, chapter 19. Now, a lot has happened between 18 and 19 when you read the uh, other Gospels. They share some events and so on. If you try to build a timeline um, that has actually occurred between chapters 18 and 19, but, you know, that really doesn't matter. Um, He's just, you know, Matthew's just trying to convey a message here. And so, um, you know, he moves into chapter 19 to relay actually some teachings um, and, uh, you know, some events that are occurring. And he starts in chapter 19 by uh, using my, perhaps my favorite phrase in Scripture. And it came to pass. It came to pass that when Jesus had finished his sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. Now, for one thing, he uses that term oftentimes to indicate that there has been some time in between. That uh, you know, he's not trying to tie this in a logical sequence necessarily, um, or that it was you know the next event in his life or anything like that. He's just saying, you know, there's a number of things, of course, that occurred during. Uh, Christ's ministry um, that that bear mentioning or that he, you know, chooses to, uh, he felt led to share a teaching on. But, I, you know, I also like the, the term, and it came to pass because, um, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of fatalistic to me, but it, it, it tells me, or maybe fatalistic to a lot of people, but it tells me that God has a plan for everything. Nothing's out of his control. Um, everything that occurs comes for a reason. And it has to come because it has to pass. It has to get over with. It's just like our lives. Now, <clears throat> we're born at a certain uh, date, time, and so we can live our lives for a particular purpose. Now, that purpose can really only be fulfilled during the period of time that God has allotted for you and I to uh, walk this earth. Um, you know, sometimes, so, and maybe I've mentioned this before, but so many times we feel like maybe we're born out of time and there are other periods of history that we feel we might have been more comfortable in. But truth is we're, we wouldn't be because God chooses when we're to live and die. And he chooses wisely and chooses for a purpose. 
The fact is, I was born uh, in December of 1950, um, because that's when God wanted me to be, to be born. That's when He determined it would be best for me to begin my life. Um, and no other time in history would have suited the gifts and the abilities and the opportunities that God has has given me. So, you know, I stopped a long time ago thinking that uh, perhaps I would best be best served to have lived in a different era. That's, that's just not true. And so, of course, that holds true for the length of your life, too. Sometimes people feel like they live too long or their lives got cut too short. Now, it's not true. You know, God, it's all part of God's plan. So don't fret over those things and don't fret over events that occur in your life. Uh, some of them seem very joyful. Of course, we don't regret those, but we do regret those that are tragic and cause great pain and sorrow. But the fact is, God is aware of all this. God knows how to use all these things. God makes us who we are by using these things. So everything in our life comes so that we can learn from it, so that it can teach us something, so that we can benefit by it. Um, everything comes in order for it to pass. We have to get these things behind us. Anytime I am faced with a decision or a circumstance that must be dealt with, especially when I was pastoring, sometimes those things put knots in my stomach, still do. But the only way to handle them is to tackle them head on. You can't avoid those things. You can't put them off. You have to, you have to deal with them. You have no choice but to deal with them if, if you're going to get maximum benefit from it. Um, typically, things tend to get worse if you don't in, finally address them. That's not to say that sometimes you might choose to let things season for a while. There might be a more appropriate time in order to make a decision or to deal with something, but the, the, the bottom line is they have to be dealt with. They come so they can pass, and they can't pass until we deal with them. So that's, um, so he, he, we have a situation here, you know, where Jesus is planning to address a certain issue to a certain group of people for a certain purpose. And so he starts by saying, and it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea beyond Jordan. Um, and it says a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. Um, it's interesting to me that he mentions that um, he healed them there, you know, like, like that's, you know, of major importance. Well, yeah, if it's in Scripture, obviously it has a reason for being there, so it is of major importance, but... Uh, you know, what, what I see here is that uh, Jesus uh, knew that out of this group of people, you know, there are thousands that followed him. We see that from the feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000 and incidents like that. So a lot of people uh, followed him around. Excuse me, I've got a cup of coffee here that I once in a while take a sip of, so bear with me, okay? Anyway... Uh, Jesus knew that a lot of these people were insincere in following him, that their purpose was to see miracles performed, or, or maybe more so maybe just to be healed. You, you know, people go to these miracle crusades that we see advertised all the time, uh, 
in order to be healed. And they think that they're going to get rid of some lifelong uh, problem that they've had. And, and so that's what they're going for. They're not going for the right reasons. They're not going to hear the Word of God. They're not going because He's the Son of God. Now, some of them are, but not everybody. And, and, and some of them that come for the wrong reasons, they hear the Word. And, and you know, their lives are changed. And, and that's ultimately why Jesus does these things. See, he's, he's, he's not going to stop doing the right thing or stop doing good simply because he knows that there are a lot of insincere people out there. They're just coming to reap a physical benefit from uh, his ministry or from what he does. That, that's not going to stop him from doing what he believes is the right thing to do. And it shouldn't stop us from doing, I, I mentioned before, the things in this world that we do, like building hospitals and schools and, you know, that sort of thing. I, I know a friend, a guy who has a, a mechanic shop, and he goes down to a, an impoverished area in the state of Kentucky every year and offers free oil changes. But in the process, he hands out tracts, shares the gospel, some things like that. So... You know, most people are just going to come to get a free oil change, but once in a while he reaches somebody. And so, you know, that it doesn't mean that just because those things aren't our primary focus that we stop doing them. We still care about people. We still want to show compassion, and we still want to do good things for humanity. Uh, as Christians, I believe that's a responsibility that we have. So... And we need to continue doing those things, but always remember that there's an underlying purpose for doing what we do. Um, and if we do that, you know, like in the day of Jesus, it's the same way now. It says, and multitudes followed him and he healed them. I mean, I know at our churches, you know, a lot of times, you know, we bring kids on, in on a bus and, and we'll feed them on Wednesday night before the uh, children's service or, you know, or maybe take them somewhere for a, a special treat. We have... Um, days where we bring in some of those blow-up, um, you know, slides and things like that and bouncy ball, bouncy rooms and that sort of thing. Let kids come for free and play. And we, we make balloons and have face painting and all that kind of stuff. And most kids just come, you know, because it's a carnival atmosphere and they want to have a little bit of fun. And we know that. But in the process, we introduce them to our church. We give them flyers. We give them information. Of course, we give them gospel tracts. And uh, we generally are able to recruit some of those kids to come to our youth activities. And uh, so we can share the gospel a little more intensely and make a difference in their lives and ultimately uh, and maybe in the lives of their parents. That was my wife's ministry for her entire life was to try and reach adults through their children. That, that was her goal. Um, but, you know, that we need not stop doing... Um, good acceptable things now i know we can go beyond what is reasonable and right some people uh, go too far i saw recently where somebody was uh doing a, a rock concert they had a no i can't remember the the song but it was a secular song that they were singing in their church um in order to get people in i, I remember there was a church on the east side of our city for a long time, they had a sign up that said the church doesn't feel like church. Um, and and I always, you know, had a problem with that sort of thing that, you know, you can, you can go a little too far. 
sometimes, and it's sometimes it's a tough decision. It's a fine line to walk. Uh, but the bottom line is this, folks. Keep your heart right. Make sure you're doing things for the right reason, that you're doing it because you love God and because your ultimate goal is to share Christ, win the lost. Make sure that's the focal point of what you do and that people know that's the reason you do what you do. Don't stop just because, you know, people are just coming for the physical benefit or the material benefit of whatever it is. Jesus did it. I, I think it's something we should do, too. Now, I know we're kind of getting into a new segment here in verse 3, and uh, I've still got three or four minutes left. So, I, I, you know, I, I need to go ahead and get started with that. We're probably not going to get too far. Um, but, you know, we'll go ahead maybe and jump in here and just read some of the Scripture and get the idea of where we're going. And then when we come back in our next segment, we'll uh, we'll dig into it a little more intensely. So um, he begins to address the subject of marriage and divorce. Um, and in verse 3, he says, The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him. And now that's pretty common. You know, that's what the world always does. They're always trying to come up with ways to trip us up and make us say or do something that's contradictory or, uh, or, or problematic. And so here are the Pharisees at it again, and, and they pose him a question. Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Now, did Jesus go into this situation planning to address the, the idea of marriage? Well, you know, I think ultimately yes, because of what it said in verse 1, and it came to pass. Um, Jesus put himself in a situation where the Pharisees were going to come and challenge him. This certainly is no surprise to him. Number one, he knows every time he, he encounters Pharisees that, you know, that's what's going to happen. And, uh, and number two, because he knew that that was probably an issue in this region. Um, and so it was something that he needed to clarify with people and, and and when it comes to marriage you know he's always trying to point out the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church and that marriage should be modeled after that in fact he, he says that you know husbands love your wives even as Christ loved the church so that comparison is always before us when we talk about marriage so you know in this discussion or in this teaching that I'm going to share with you here and in your, your thought process as you receive it and listen to what I say, uh, bear in mind that the idea is that Jesus is always trying to point out that there is a comparison to be had between uh, his relationship with his church and the husband and wife relationship in a good marriage. Um, so we need to model our marriages after that, and that's that's going to make a difference uh, with a couple of things that we're going to talk about as we go through this passage here. Because um, marriage, you know, we'll talk about the differences between a marriage of a Christian and a marriage of a non-Christian. Um, but ultimately, marriage, that's the picture of marriage, regardless of who it is that's married. Um, the idea is that there's a relationship between Jesus and his church and, um, and between a husband and wife that, uh, that, that comparison should be recognized. And uh, God needs to be in that picture. So anyway, we're at the end of our time, as I figured. We didn't get very far into this. But uh, stay tuned. Catch me next time, and we'll talk about it a little more. Goodbye and God bless.